This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's going on, Giants fans? Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover with the latest episode of our Talk is Chief Giants podcast from the Star Ledger, NJ Advanced Media, NJ.com. Uh, Tuesday, May the 2nd here in the morning as we're talking to you. Coming out of the NFL draft, uh, Giants offseason is complete. Um, free agency done, draft done. We'll go through real quick who they drafted. Obviously, you all know that. And what it means going forward, uh, you know, scheduling-wise here coming up, the Giants have a rookie minicamp um, Friday and Saturday this weekend, uh, May the uh, 5th and 6th. Their first OTAs, Organized Team Activities Practice, really spring practice, is May the 22nd. So that is in, uh, let's see, one, two, about three weeks. Uh, from now, that's the whole team getting together, of course, probably not Saquon Barkley, not Dexter Lawrence. Um and that's where that is. The Giants exercise their unsurprisingly exercise the fifth year option on Andrew Thomas today, which is the deadline day to do it. Uh, could get a new contract this offseason, maybe next offseason. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where they're at. And oh, in the schedule, by the way, May 11th, Thursday evening, it will come out next Thursday evening. And we'll do one of these uh, on Friday, next Friday, the 12th, uh, talking to you quickly about the schedule going through our picks. So that's that's the calendar of things coming up. Uh, but as we look pat, look back to the draft, obviously you guys know what the Giants did. Deontay Banks in round one, the cornerback. He'll be the number two outside corner. John Michael Schmitz, the new starting center in round two. Jalen Hyatt, uh, an intriguing deep threat, kind of slottish receiver in round three. Uh, and then five, six, seven, seven are their next four picks. They go running back Eric Gray, cornerback Trey Hawkins, uh, defensive lineman Jordan. I don't know if he goes Jordan or Jordan Riley. And Gervarius Owens, the, a safety from Houston with the final pick. And, and so that's where the Giants are at coming out of the draft. Bob, what'd you make of the draft overall? Uh, you know, I, I, I wrote this and I, I believe it that Joe Shane aced this draft on the first two days. You know, he had needs, he didn't reach for his needs. Um, and he got three guys in, with his in the first three rounds who, depending on what you were looking at, were either Deontay Banks was a definite first rounder. Uh, some had him going much, much higher than 24 where the Giants took him. Uh, you know, if, if there was any criticism of this draft, it was did the Giants have to move up one pick to get Deontay Banks or could they have just sat at 25 and gotten him? That's a that's that's a pick and a knit. Uh, so, and then John Michael Schmidt, some people had him in the first round and they got him at 57 overall. They didn't even have to move. Then they moved to get Jalen Hyatt. Some people had him in in the first. A lot of people had him early second and definitely at least in the second. He got all three of those guys. When Joe Shane was asked on Saturday, you know, if we told you 
you'd get Banks, Schmitz, and Hyatt in the first three rounds. What, what would you have said? And he said, how, how can I do that? You know, so he's happy with it. Uh, you know, after that, whatever they got after that, you know, we all thought they were going to take a running back. They traded out of the fourth round to get Hyatt. Uh, they took a running back in Eric Gray, who who does have the ability to catch the ball uh, and could possibly be a guy who spells Saquon Barkley if and when, and we all expect that he will be uh, back with the Giants. And I think the, I think it's important that the Giants do do give uh, do lighten Saquon's workload some in the future, starting now. Um, so maybe this is the guy who helps him do that. Uh, you go down the list to, to Trey Hawkins, you get another cornerback uh, who seems like a really good athlete. Uh, maybe you can turn him into – get the athletic uh, ability to match up to the football ability. You know, you never know in these later-round guys. And Jordan Riley is just a huge, huge human being uh, who will, you know, maybe spell Lawrence, but they're certainly set on that defensive line now. And then Javarius Owens is the only safety they took in this draft, which was good news for probably Bobby McCain and Jason Pinnock, um, who will likely be competing for a time to, to play opposite Xavier McKinney. Um, that's my wrap-up quick. <laughs> that's a good thumbnail sketch of things, and we'll go back and revisit uh, the impact of the, each of these picks and then kind of contextualize it big picture with position battles and things like that leading into the spring and, and training camp. Um, you know, again, even though OTAs are three weeks away, the roster is set. Um, so my, my, you know, my takeaway here, I mean, the, the giants came into this offseason with 11 picks, right? And so there's a chance they could make this a volume draft. It, it, they did not. It was, it wound up being a seven pick draft and it was very top heavy uh, picks at 24, 57 and 73. And then not again until Eric Gray at 172. So, this is the type of draft you you make and and you you you're aggressive like this when you're a win now team with these with a few, you know holes that need to be aggressively filled and that's uh, that that sounds bad but whatever <laughs> overlook that um the uh the uh you know they 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 have to they Joe Shane had to be uh, aggressive here so he you know he traded a third round pick for Darren Waller he traded a fifth and a seventh for basically for Deontay Banks he traded a fourth for uh, Jalen Hyatt. So the hall was seven picks and not 11. And so, you know, maybe you go volume when you're in a state like they were last year when they're just looking to build out the depth. But when you're when you're a win-now team, you need difference makers, immediate difference makers. And that's what they're hoping these top three guys in this top-heavy draft can do. Um, so it's a win-now type of approach, an aggressive type of approach, a targeted approach as they try to address these roster holes. Um, and so that's really my overall takeaway on 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 this draft. Um, and we'll just start at the top of it. Deontay Banks is, is going to be, and, and we'll talk ripple effects here too. Um, Deontay Banks is going to be their number two outside corner, right? I mean, they could talk all they want about competition, but uh, I'm sorry, but Aaron Robinson, Nick McLeod, uh, they're not beating him out for the number two job. So they're it'll competing, be they're competing. They're competing for Darnay Holmes's job. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So really what happened here is, you know, the Giants did get a number two outside corner to play opposite of Dory Jackson, Deontay Banks. And so all the guys who were uh, in the mix on the outside, you have Aaron Robinson, Cordell, Cordell Flott. Those are, they can play in the slot. Remember Aaron Robinson was drafted the year after Darnay Holmes. And so he can be a slot guy. So the slot job is now up for grabs. Holmes. Robinson, Flop, maybe Nick McLeod there. Uh, obviously, there are going to be other guys other than Banks at number two, but he's going to be the starter. So um, the question then becomes, uh, we'll address this. Like, So what do you make of, number one, 
Banks' chances of, of playing well as a rookie, not maybe like Sauce Gardner level, but acquitting himself well. What do you make of his chances doing that? And also, uh, what do you make now of what is a, a crowded competition at slot corner? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's fair to compare uh, Deontay Banks right. to Sauce Gardner. is a much higher pick. Uh, but a, a terrific athlete, you know, has the two things you want in a in a cornerback is size and speed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think the Giants would be disappointed if he didn't come in and and show as at least an average NFL starter in his first uh, in his first season, and also an upgrade over what they had last year, which was a mix and match combination of Fabian Moreau. You know, they had four guys play really that position last year, and Fabian Moreau. Started with Aaron Robinson, who was playing okay, you know, when he got hurt. But it was such a small sample against two teams that that are terrible at passing the ball. So, um, so you had Aaron Robinson, you had Fabian Moreau, you had they tried to give the job to Flot, and he didn't take it. Uh, Nick McLeod played pretty well, you know, given that he was a, you know, not a a big name, a guy they got off the street from Buffalo. Um, so, um, you know, you had you had four guys playing that position at the very least you want Deontay Banks to be better than those four guys played the position last year. Uh, you know, and as far as the competition, uh, you know, uh, Darnay Holmes would be the guy, if I was Darnay Holmes, I'd be getting myself as ready as I could be for this training camp because there's, there's going to be guys wanting his playing time because those, those other guys got a sniff of playing time, a lot of playing time last year. Um, speaking specifically about Flot and McLeod, so they're going to be hungry to to continue to play. So that that's that will be one of the more interesting competitions in camp. I think as you look at Banks, he's, he's a great scheme fit. You know, he long can play press man coverage. That's what they want, and that's what they need in this defense. And so I think it's it's a it's a great fit from that perspective. You know, he's obviously going to be challenged by opposing quarterbacks. Uh, given that Adoree Jackson is the alternative on the other side, there's a very clear difference between those two players right now. But remember, Adoree Jackson's entering the final year of his contract. You know, perhaps they view a guy, Banks as a guy who can be their number one corner, perhaps, you know, maybe starting as soon as next year if Adoree Jackson leaves. So um, it's going to have to be a quick learning curve for Deontay Banks, and he's going to be asked to do things in this defense. Um, I, but he's going to be asked to do things in this defense that he's comfortable doing. So quick learning curve, but I think the system fits his skills well. Obviously, that's why you draft the guy. Um, as far as the slot goes, I think – you know, Aaron Robinson, Aaron Robinson's roster spot is in jeopardy. You know, the guy hasn't done anything through two years, largely because of injuries. He's now at a position where, look, I mean, they're not keeping three or four slot corners. Like, where does this guy fit in? Um, Darnay Holmes is pretty exclusively a slot corner. Robinson can be a backup on the outside, but he's got to prove he can be healthy and reliable. Uh, they, they're not cutting flaw. They just drafted him last year. So he's he's got outside slot and, and slot versatility, too. And... Uh, you know, Nick McLeod acquitted himself pretty darn well last year, so I would be surprised if they move on from him. So Robinson could be the odd, odd man out here, um, depending on how camp goes. That that's and look, Dar- Darnay Holmes has not been exactly a star for them. Um, he's played, but it's not like he's played consistently great. Um, and so there you go. Uh, they got him for you know basically nothing. It's the cap hits like two hundred thousand dollars, so. Exactly. Right. That, that plays into it too. Right. Um, and so I think, it, you know, that's where they, I think they are at those two cornerback spots. Uh, we know that 
Jackson's one, you know, Jackson's going to be Jackson where he is. And then and, and McKinney is there at free safety. And you touched, I think, on, on, on the strong, on the, on the other safety spot um, with what they do with McCain or Pinnock there. That'll be an interesting position battle. We don't need to delve too far into it. It's pretty straightforward. They got Bobby McCain on a one-year deal. Pinnock was there last year. He played uh, at times well. Uh, Dane Belton, again, they're not cutting Dane Belton, but he could be the odd man out in terms of playing time. Um, but we'll, we'll go down the list here by the draft picks instead of, so there'll be a little flip-flopping. Um, we'll go about the offensive side now. So John Michael Schmitz, um, the new center, right? (laughs) Might be, might, might be even more so than banks might be the most important pick they made. Um, Uh, you know, you, you think about two things since Daniel Jones has been here all the different coordinators and head coaches he's had, but he's also never had the same center back-to-back years. It was going to be Nick Gates the one year, and then he had the devastating injury. Um, so he's, he's gone through a bunch of centers during his career. Uh, the, you know, the Giants are trying to build it. They, they, they were considered, even going to the playoffs last year, considered one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Uh, they're trying to build that offensive line. Uh, to me, and I've always been an outsider looking in from 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 afar. But like whenever I remember great Giants teams, they had great offensive lines. Uh, this guy, just the, the, the little bit of exposure we've had to him, seems like the right guy to uh, be a leader on that offensive line. Seems to have the right personality that you want from an offensive. You want from your center specifically. Um, I just think this could be a really good pick. And this is, you know, finally have the guy at that position around for a while. Very important. pick. You know, I, I just, I look at the Giants history of centers, you know, going and uh, I'm going to show my age here, but going back to Bart Oates, a guy they got from the United States football league, who I think should be in the hall of fame. That was the start of the great Giants teams of that era, uh, getting, getting a player like him. Um, and the, obviously they had other great guys around, uh, on that, those teams. But I just, I always thought of the giants having great centers when they were a great team. And, you know, the last four years, they, they really haven't had, you know, so, so Nick Gates played pretty well in 2020. Uh, you know, John Jalapio 2019 was their center Gates in 2020. Then Gates gets hurt and they have to go to Billy Price in 2021. He's not, he's not any good. And then John uh, Feliciano last year, solid, but not spectacular. You know he walks he walks in free agency to the Niners, so they haven't they haven't had great center play. You know it's been uneven and also uh, an inconsistent cast of characters. One one center for each of the first four years of, of Daniel Jones's career. So four centers. Pass blocking wise, they obviously have to get better. They were twenty fourth in PFF and pass blocking last year. That you know a lot of that goes into Evan Neal too. But the whole notion that they were ever going to play Ben Bredesen a center was ridiculous. They were that was come on, give me a break. Um, and so the smoke screen without without any smoke. Yeah. No one believed that. Um, and so, uh, it not, not just because Ben Reson's never played center, but because the alternative at left guard was like Joshua Zudu, who, who was very spotty last year. And is, you know, I think coming off like a neck slash shoulder surgery, or at least an injury that ended his season. And so this enables them to play, you know, play Bredesen at left guard. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a position battle, but probably not much of one. Uh, and they go uh, John Michael Schmitz at center. Um, and, and, and then, you know, you know, the rest Thomas at left tackle, Neil at right, Glowinski at right guard. And so this is the best possible outcome for their offensive line, given where it was entering the draft. 
Absolutely. I mean, the only thing you, you might have done is draft another interior guy. Um, but you know what? You wanted one of the one of the five best interior guys in this draft, and you you got him in the second round. Uh, you know, you're talking about the pass protection really needs to be better. Schmitz, I think, in three years as a starter at Minnesota, allowed two sacks his entire career. A ton of a ton of passing downs involved in that. Um, so, and and that's not even considered his strength is considered the, the his his ability to block in the running game. Um, so it just, you know, on paper, we'll see how it plays out. But on paper, it just looks like a, a great, great pick there. Yeah. And and then the, a really fascinating pick in round three in Jalen Hyatt. I mean, we know Banks will be a week one starter. We know Schmitz will be a week one starter. I'll be really fascinated to see how Jalen Hyatt fits in. And so as it turned out, Joe Shane did not make really any huge, big splash additions uh, at receiver. But the uh, the weapons are upgraded for Daniel Jones. So I think now, it, you know, Improve the passing game. No more excuses. Like, let's go. I mean, obviously, they didn't get Terrell Owens in his prime or Jerry Rice, but they're better offensively in terms of skill guys. They're going to have Saquon Barkley coming back. They bring in Darren Waller, who's essentially a receiver. Their receiver room, no. Again, it's not spectacular, but they have some pieces there. Um, And Hyatt, a deep threat, a really fast guy, um, gives them an element of, of deep threat ability. And I, I forget what the 20 plus passing uh, number was. Um, but last year, the Giants I, were one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of deep, big play passing. I mean, we, we know that it, it, it passes the eye, the eye exam. It tells you, you know, look, we know that this team actually fails the eye exam, but <laughs> yeah, I guess that point passes the eye exam. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was rambling cause I was trying to look up the stat at the same time. The Giants had 28 uh, passing plays of 20 plus yards last year, worse than the league. The Ravens were 33. Uh, 33 of those passing plays. So, yeah, obviously they, they did not put the ball down. You, know, you, you brought in a guy like Paris Campbell, who was a second-round pick just yep. a few years back who couldn't stay on the field, finally did, uh, you know, and played pretty well, uh, played probably up to the, the same standard as Darius Slayton, who, as we know, has been the Giants leader in receiving the three of the last four. The, the receiving room is so much improved over last year, which is, which is funny because you had a high-paid free agent – and a high draft pick in Kadarius Tony and, and Kenny Galladay, but they were both uh, of no use to the Giants. Um, so now you have a very different new room, and it's a, a much better one. And the thing about Jalen Hyatt, you know, I kept thinking leading in the days leading up to the draft, um, and it didn't work out this way, but, you know, there were the four guys who went immediately before the Giants pick, um, and – um, I kept thinking those four guys were going to be the four guys that might be gone, and the Giants draft is going to come down to uh, with that in that first round. Are they comfortable with Jalen Hyatt as a first round pick, or will they go in a different direction? They obviously went in a different direction, but then got Jalen Hyatt anyway in the third round. Um, you know, I, I, how can you argue with a guy who has his kind of speed? He's not he's not real super big, but he's you know, he, another guy, your first exposure to him, his first impression is he, he said, I think I'm the best receiver in the draft. Uh, hey, he's probably not, but you know what? You want your you want all your guys thinking that. Um, and the fact that he is is a good sign. Um, you know, I just like the way the uh, way Hyatt handled himself in his in his first uh, media exposure. Uh, we'll see what he does here, but it sure looks like a, they got a value pick in the third round. 
Very good value, I think. And you mentioned from 20 to 23, Jackson Smith, Quentin Johnston, Jay Flowers, Jordan Addison off the board uh, in those picks. And then, of course, the Giants trade up from 25 to 24 to get Deontay Banks. And so I think very good value potential with Hyatt there. Let's see if he can add some bulk. You know, He says he wants to get to 190. I think he played last year at 175. He says he's closing in on 190 now. Um, obviously the speed is, is a huge element for a team that was looking to add speed on both sides of the ball. You mentioned Paris Campbell bringing some of that. Um, and so, you know, Campbell is, you know, going to be a factor, obviously Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins are outside receivers. The slots a really interesting spot, really a, a corner and receiver for the giants right now, because at, at you, you have Jameson Crowder as a slot receiver. He's kind of an afterthought. Um, but now you have Hyatt, who's primarily been a slot guy. Sterling Shepard, same, uh, but again, they didn't make a long-term commitment to him. Wandale Robinson, they just drafted him in round two last year, and they're not going to cut him, but I mean, he's a guy who he's got some pressure on him now. Late November, torn ACL. Whenever he returns, I mean, Jalen Hyatt could he didn't have, have the, He didn't have the surgery until mid-December, so I, you know, I got to think he's not going to be ready <clears throat> in training camp. Uh, so I, I have to think that that played into their thinking some, too. Yeah. The fact that he's probably not going to be ready, uh, I wouldn't think. You know, oftentimes they say years, so we, we we may be looking at November before he's he's ready to play. It's it's a it's a weird kind of receiver room. I mean, because they don't have like a sure thing standout guy. I mean, those those are their top seven guys in some particular order. You know, Campbell, Slayton, Hodgins, uh, Hyatt, Robinson, Shepard, Crowder. Um, you know, Jeff Smith's a special teams guy. So. Can they do it by committee? Obviously, we met Waller is essentially a receiver, and they desperately he's be the number one guy. <laughs> he's going to be their number one target, basically in the yeah. passing game. And so, and I, I mean, the Chiefs proved that that's okay last year. You know, not just last year; they've proved it other years that your tight end can be your number one guy if he's if he's the right guy. Uh, and Darren Waller certainly has uh, um, Travis Kelsey potential um, when he's healthy. So. The bottom line is for this team to take the next step, their their passing offense has to be more explosive. It has to be. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no if if it, if they perform like they did last year in the passing game, then there's gonna be a lot of criticism of Daniel Jones, and they're probably not gonna go very far this year. So, and they obviously have to pass block better, which we touched on when we were talking about Schmitz and the offensive line. And so, um, yeah, no, I think that this is a really it's an interesting uh, Giants offense at this point. Will it be better? I, I think it probably should be. Uh, but you look at this on paper in this receiver room, it's like, okay, um, you know, they don't have anyone that blows you away. But some of these, there's going to be opportunities for a guy like Hyatt to um, come in and play a bunch immediately. Well, I'll be interested to see if he's ready to do it. He's, he was primarily a spread guy in college, right? And he said he's played in pro-style offenses. But those college systems are very simplified. Um, they're designed to win games at that level with the players they have. And so I'll be interested to see how he makes the adjustment scheme wise. Absolutely. Um, you know, that, that was one of the reasons he may have slipped. And the, the, the interesting thing is his teammate, Cedric Maxwell went to very next pick after him. So it was like, okay, if, 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 if the giants will take this guy, we'll take this guy. We'll take one of these guys too. We'll see what we can do with them. Um, you know, but speed and speed is speed. Um, you know, can this kid learn the system in a more complicated offensive system? Obviously, the Giants think so, or they wouldn't wouldn't have taken him. And you know, I I got to think Mike Kafka is one of the offensive coordinators, one of the happiest people. He you know he comes from the the Andy Reid coaching tree, um, 
And if you go back and look at Andy Reid's history, how many times he's been in the top five teams and throwing the football, uh, it's pretty much almost every year. Uh, so you know Mike Kafka wanted to open things up, and he didn't. And he did open, you know, that was part of the Giants' story last year. Early in the season, you know, they played it very close to the vest. We relied on Saquon a lot. Teams started to figure that out uh, midseason, and he started to open things up a little more. Now he's got a chance. Now he's Kafka has more weapons with Daniel Jones and, and probably more confidence in Daniel Jones than he maybe had at the beginning, both him and Dable. Um, so they can open it up right from, from the outset of the season. For sure. That's a great point and how this all, this all plays in scheme wise. So like offensively, we touch on receiver and, and, you know, the, probably the battle coming up in the slot, we touch on the line and where they stand there now. Um, and tight end, we know where that is, uh, quickly quarterback, obviously they, they didn't draft a quarterback, but they signed and we'll mention him cause he's a local guy. Tommy DeVito played at Syracuse, wound up transferring to Illinois for his final year. Um, so he comes in as the Giants' uh, new number three quarterback, probably a guy they'll stash in the practice squad. So they wound up not drafting a quarterback, which I think makes sense when you don't have – and you only have seven picks. Um, so he's from Livingston, played at Don Bosco and Ramsey, Don Bosco prep. Um, so he, local ties there for Tommy DeVito. Pretty cool story. Uh, in terms of the running back situation, obviously, we, we, and we can get into Eric Gray here um, as we move down that he's the next guy in the pecking order. The Giants go 73 for Hyatt overall, 172 for Eric Gray. So big gap there. Uh, Eric Gray, fifth-round running back. They obviously have Sa- – let's assume here Saquon Barkley – Comes around and, you know, I you know, whatever. He, he plays on the one-year tag or he, he, he plays the first year of a quote-unquote long-term deal. Matt Breida, uh, one-year deal, older running back. They needed a backup running back like longer term behind Barkley or like maybe Barkley's not even around next year. But what do we make of Eric Gray um, as a guy who can be a versatile back? Maybe he's not going to have a huge role, but like as you look at him in a vacuum – uh, what's your sense of him as a player? Well, you, you have to think that, you know, when they were drafting a running back in this draft, um, there was a kid from UAB who had a sensational season, Dwayne McBride, his name was. But when you looked at his numbers, you the thing that popped out was that he barely was ever catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he had like 10-something 10, 10 receptions for the year. This guy had 99 career receptions for 827 yards. And five touchdowns. He started, played his first two years at Tennessee and last two at Oklahoma. So that tells me he can catch the football. Um, And I got to think that, you know, the Giants want a a third down back that can give Saquon a a breather every once in a while. You know, they put so much on Saquon last year, uh, you know, and Saquon is still young, uh, but, you know, running back years can be like dog years in terms of, how you age uh, in this league. Just ask Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, so I, I think that was an important part. But the, the guy also, you know, rushed for 6.4 yards of carry last season, had, had 1,366 yards rushing. So he's obviously got some ability. Um, you know, does it translate to the next level? Uh, sometimes it does with these guys. But, you know, the the, the, story, the, the, the league has a whole history of later round running backs uh, becoming uh, very good players in this league. And we'll see if this guy's another one of them. Good value. I mean, it's we talk about, like, value, obviously. Like, it doesn't make sense to draft a running back second overall. We've been over that a million times. It was a mistake to draft Barkley where they did. 
uh, obviously there's a busy, there's a lot of room between number two and, and number 172. Um, certainly <laughs> 100 in the nineties, certainly that's are fine spots to draft a running back. Um, but they have a chance to get some good value here out of gray. Uh, one thing, you know, you look at his body type five, nine, uh, two Oh seven, smaller guy, but got some punch and some power to him. Um, just from, you know, looking at him on a, on a thumbnail perspective here. Um, I wonder about ball security for him. I know that, you know, he talked briefly about that after the draft. And I think we hadn't really had a chance to like fully look. Cause well, here's what happens after this draft, by the way, if people don't know, like if you listen to the quotes coming out of these conference calls, so the giants will, this is a little bit behind how the sausage is made and it's not really that interesting, but the giants will draft a player. And then within like five minutes, they put them on a conference call with reporters. So you go from like not knowing who they're going to draft to finding out who they're going to draft. You're trying to write a story about it like quickly. And then you're like put on the spot to try to ask this guy questions about who he is. So you don't really have a lot of time to prepare for, um, you know, asking this guy questions, but taking a step back and looking at Eric Gray, uh, ball security is an issue for him. Uh, he had five fumbles in his career. He had six drops in his career. Uh, yeah. I mean, last year he only had one lost fumble. He had three lost fumbles in 2020. Uh, his first year at Tennessee. So, um, and I want to say, I'm basing this on, on PFF, right? So um, drop wise, um, as, I, as I'm looking at their 8 million things, he had four drops last year. So last year was a bad drop year for him. 2020, I'm sorry, four drops in 2019. Um, so he's improved drops wise over the past three years, just two total over the past three years. Um, but the fumbles, uh, I think, you know, like, as you said, when we were texting about this, I, I would text you, I was like, Oh, he had five fumbles. You're like, five's a lot. It is a lot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you, you, you worry about that with a running back all the time. Um, so, uh, that's something I'm sure that will get lots of focus. Um, when he comes in, when he comes in this weekend, uh, and starting then, and, and it will continue throughout his career. Um, you know, it's it's not something that'll go away. Um, I'm just going to make a point about you know, but later round running backs being being um, prominent guys in this league. Last year you had Tyler, and I, I don't know if it's Algier or Algier from the Falcons. He was a thousand yard rusher, fifth rounder, um, and Rutgers own Isaiah Pacheco uh, was this was maybe not the star of the Super Bowl, but certainly a star of the Super Bowl, and that it. Great rookie season with the Chiefs, um, you know. So there, it, it can definitely, um, it can definitely happen in those for those guys who are drafted in later rounds. Uh, so we'll see if we'll see if this guy can be one of those one of those guys. Um, you know, he, another guy who had a great rookie season with drafted. I think he was a fourth rounder. Was Michael Carter with the Jets. Um, he had a terrific rookie season for them, six hundred thirty nine yards. You know. I don't think the Giants want want uh, Eric Gray to get as much um, as get the ball as much as those guys did, but you know you never know what happens in the course of a season. And certainly, uh, we've seen Saquon go down with injuries before, so maybe he ends up having to be more prominent than than um, than they think. 
Yeah, and Gary Brightwell, who had been their number three running back, had been, you know, it's pretty clear he's mostly a special teams guy, and so um, they needed to address that. As we move down the depth or the uh, the draft pecking order here to the final three picks, we, we touched on the cornerback situation, but with Trey Hawkins out of ODU, but it's Trey Hawkins the third, by the way, which I love. His name is like three Hawkins three. <laughs> His name, what is it? His name is a palindrome almost, not really, but um, so, right? The I don't know when you discovered that or like what your what that moment was like for you when <laughs> when they drafted him. I, I, so they drafted him, and we so like what also what happens after they draft these guys is um, we, we'll look up the scouting reports, right? And so Dane Brugler from the Athletic does like this amazing draft guide, um, and so I looked in his and at the draft guide, and well, obviously the kid's real name is not Trey; it's Trey because he's whatever Hawkins the third, and I and I I'm, I'm I will find his real name. I forget what his actual name is here. Um, Larry, his name is Larry. I wrote that specifically because it was in D- D- Dane Brugler's guide. Larry Trey Hawkins the third. So he's Larry Hawkins the third. Trey's his nickname, obviously, as if I haven't made that clear by saying it six hundred times. Um, so. <laughs> in terms of like he's six two one eighty eight in terms of him as a player, right? So um he's got good size. Um and but you know, like I think he's probably more of a special teams guy immediately, right? Uh I would think so, yeah. I mean given especially given the cornerback situation now. Um you know, um I I'd be surprised if it was anything more than that, but you you never know. You put these guys in and it's Brian Dable likes to say, um, let them compete and you, you see what happens. Uh, but, you know, when I when I read his bio, uh, you know, the thing that jumped out to me was this is a, was a big guy, great, great length, uh, good athlete, uh, but it hasn't lived up to maybe the football part of it yet. Um, so, and, you know, and if I'm if I'm an NFL team, that's exactly what I want to do with my later round picks. I want to get guys with high ceilings who, um, you know, rather than a guy who's, hey, th- this is who he is as a football player. He's not going to get any better than this. Um, I want guys who who have high ceilings. Yeah, is there a risk that he might not ever ever, ever be anything? Yes, but, but the athleticism jumps off the page and you, you see what you can do with that. Probably bad news for uh, Rodarius Williams, six-round pick in 2021, who's kind of expendable now. Um, so we'll see, he's going to be battling for a roster spot if, as we look at the ripple effects of these, of these draft picks and, and what this means, even though Hawkins will be a, a backup, um, we'll, we'll see how, do you think, I wonder if you call him Larry, will and I'm dating myself here, will he react as negatively as Chipper Jones used to when he was called Larry? I don't, I, <laughs> I think I'll just call him Trey, you know? Um, I'll call him Chipper. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's going to be getting the Larry, Larry chance from anyone. And let, hey, I maybe he'd love that because that would mean he'd be a prominent player. But, um, uh, yeah, I think that that's sort of where they stand in the secondary. We talked a lot about corner already, but I, I should, it's worth mentioning that Rodarius Williams heat is on him now, um, in terms of his roster spot, uh, with this Hawkins pick. Um, yeah, and there was a time last year where they seemed like they wanted to give him more of a chance. Yeah. Um, but it didn't last very long. Um, Previous regime drafted him. It just doesn't look right. good for him. Yeah. Um, in, in, and then as we move down here, the Jordan Riley, Riley D lineman, seventh round. Uh, their D line right now uh, is very well equipped to stop the run much better than they did last year. Low bar there for what they did last year. 
you know, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and just parenthetically, we know Dexter Lawrence is going to get paid. It's going to happen. Um, and then the other D tackle spot, Ashawn Robinson, uh, Raheem Nunez, Roaches, uh, those would be their top four guys. And then you're looking at depth, right? So Riley fits in somewhere with Ryder Anderson uh, and DJ Davidson for defensive line depth. And remember Davidson coming off the torn ACL. It was early in the year uh, in London. Yeah. In London. Yep. So Riley's just some depth there and they need it. Right. Cause I think that we'll see, we'll see what Davidson can bring, but they needed someone to provide some more depth there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you never have enough of those, enough of those guys because they're always, you know, they're crashing into somebody every play. So that they, they, uh, the, you can think you have enough of them at one, at one moment and then not in the next. Um, so, you know, obviously Leonard Williams played as a very beat up player last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, the more depth you have along the defensive line, the better. That uh, was Joe Shane's famous quote at the beginning of this early in this offseason. You know, what do you feel about the depth of your defensive line? Not good. Um, and, and, you know, he, he addressed that throughout this offseason, including in the draft with Jordan Riley. The, the Jordan with no by two O's by the way J O R D O N. Yeah, so I would want to have to ask him if it's Jordan. <laughs> I don't know. Might be. Uh, I, I I didn't ask. Uh, we, we didn't talk to him. The uh, he didn't do a conference call. He did not. Oh, okay. Um, so last three guys didn't. I don't think. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. the last at least the last two. That's okay. Last three, I don't know. But the one, so they didn't address two. They didn't address either linebacker position in the draft. Now, obviously, they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau high last year. Aziz Ojolari, they like him. Um, we know Thibodeau and Ojolari are the starters. Um, you wrote a little something today about that depth situation. They had Jihad Ward there, Tomon Fox. Who knows about Ellerson Smith? Um, but were you concerned about the depth here at outside linebacker? I am um, mainly because um, you know uh, Aziz missed most of last season. I think he missed ten games total, not most of last season, but a good good chunk of last season. Then also only played I think twenty two snaps in the in the postseason because he got hurt again on a sack of all things. He's a sack machine. I mean, twenty four games he's got 30, 13 and a half sacks. Uh, I looked this up yesterday. Only Micah Parsons and uh, I forget from his draft class, Micah Parsons and uh, the other players from the Dolphins. I can't think of his name right at this second. They're the only two guys who, with more sacks than him from his draft class, uh, and he's played ten fewer games than both him, him and Parsons, but than those two guys. So he's a sack machine, but he hasn't stayed healthy. Uh, Kayvon was good last year, very good, um, but not great. He wasn't Micah Parsons in his rookie season, um, you know, the, and this, the Giants. For as much as they blitz, weren't a big sack team. You know, they were middle of the pack for sacks, near the top for pressures, which you would, which you should be if you're going to blitz that much. Um, but uh, you know, they're they're number three pass rusher right now, and number three outside guy right now is Jihad Ward, um, and they got way more than they could have ever expected. Jihad Ward played in his seventh NFL season, played more snaps than he had at any time in his career last year. Uh, he's going to be 29. Um, you know, 
as I wrote today, he's got edge, but he's not necessarily the guy you want as an edge rusher. Uh, he definitely brings edge to the defense, but it's not as an edge so much as an edge rusher. It's just a guy who who plays hard and sets a tone. Um, so who would you know? Uh, I'm trying to think of the the undrafted free agent. How would you pronounce his name? Uh, well, yeah, they 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 pick an undrafted free agent. I I would just phonetically Habakkuk Bal and Baldonado is his last name. That's pretty easy. Oh, no. I, I, I love his story. I don't even attempt to pronounce his first name. Yeah. But um, he's he's he was born in Italy and he played three years of I believe high school football in Italy before moving to Clearwater, Florida, and playing at a school I'd never heard of. Even though I spent a good thirty years of my life in Clearwater, Florida, it was a school I never heard of in my life. Um, so he he had a really good year two years ago at Pitt. Yeah, I think he had nine sacks two years ago at Pitt. Um, but. Um, you know, I don't think you depend on a guy like that. Uh, and who, so who would, I'm missing somebody here from this list though. Um, who would be the fourth guy? Um, well, Eller, Ellerson Smith, Tomas. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, who, who got hurt last year, played quite a bit the year before. Oh, and Tamon Fox is the other guy, yeah. the other two guys. Yes. Tamon Fox, uh, you know, they both played uh, – Tamon Fox actually played quite a bit. He played 30% of the defensive snaps last year. But, you know, they're not real impact pass rushers. And I just – I'm not sure that the Giants have enough impact pass rushers right now behind their their top two guys. That'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, Ojolari needs to stay healthy and produce more. Thibodeau needs to build in his rookie year, and we know Leonard Williams got to rush the passer better. That's maybe just not who he is um, ultimately. Um but in terms of priority free aid, you know, you say like the most notable undrafted free agent signings, I think Baldonado would be up there. Bryce Ford Wheaton is an interesting uh, receiver from uh, West Virginia. Um, and then as we pivot to another area that they did not address in the draft, the other linebackers spot, like inside linebacker, this kid, Deontay Johnson, I think from Toledo, um, maybe he provides some depth there because really like right now, Bobby Okoroke is their one uh, outside linebacker. We know that they wound up or inside linebacker. They did not address it in the draft. So right now, Jared Davis, I mean, that's a huge weak spot. The other inside linebacker spot is they try to do a better job stopping the run. So you have Jared Davis. This will be an interesting position battle to watch. Um, Darren, Darian Beaver is coming off the torn ACL from last preseason. He probably would have started last year. Uh, and then Mike McFadden, who did not play well as a rookie last year, maybe this guy, Deontay, Johnson in the mix, but uh, like ultimately, I think Beavers could really overtake Davis for that spot. But it's still it's a it's a big question mark. The other inside linebacker spot, um, another one they didn't address in the draft, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think Darren Beavers is the guy is the guy who um, you know becomes a a very interesting player for this team because I hadn't even started on the beat yet, but I watched watched very closely uh, as I was getting ready to, to cover the beat. And he was a guy who was really, I thought, impressive what I was watching in the preseason. Uh, you know, those are small samples, obviously. But I thought, yeah, this guy's got a chance. Um, you know, <laughs> but at that time, um, again, I'm drawing a blank here. Help me. The guy they released. Uh, Blake Rich, Martinez, yeah. 
Blake Martinez. Thank you. Uh, you know, at that time you thought Blake Martinez was going to be the other guy. Uh, it was what they, what they went through at, at that position last year was remarkable. Um, you thought it was going to be Blake Martinez. It wasn't, uh, Tay Crowder who's no longer here. Uh, you know, and then he lost his job and Micah McFadden and, you know, they brought in, um, my old mind is not working today. Um, from the former cowboy, um, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, thank you. Uh, they brought in Jalen Smith. Um, Landon you know, Collins. Was, uh, Landon Collins. Yeah, I mean that, that position was just a revolving door last year. Yeah, uh, and maybe it wouldn't have been if Darian Beavers had stayed healthy. Uh, you know, Michael Mc, Michael McFadden. His story was incredible. He was one of the I think three or four defensive guys who played all seventeen regular season games and then didn't dress for either playoff game. Uh, you know, and Davis, they obviously liked enough to bring back. They brought him in late in the season. He actually replaced Micah McFadden. What they went through with that position last year was amazing. Um, you know, the, the one thing you, you can say about that position is there's usually only one of them on the field most of the time. Uh, and that's going to be Okariki, obviously. Or pronounce his name for me. <laughs> I think it's Okaruke. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, the Colts did a whole thing on his last name last year, um, and I think it's Okaruke. Okaruke. All right, I'm going to go back to Bobby O. Um, I'd be interested to ask him because, because honestly, well, Joe Shane, by the way, <laughs> sorry Joe, but you don't pronounce the head coach's last name correctly. Number one, it's Dayball or ends the table. It's not Dayball. Uh, also, he pronounces Okariki. So maybe the kid is just saying the hell with it. Just call me Okariki. But uh, again, I'm sure <laughs> show up. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know he's probably saying, you know what? Go ahead and call me Okariki. You're paying me twenty two million dollars. You call me. You can call me Hey You if you want. Um, <laughs> I, again, I'm, I'm looking at a Colts.com story here. O K A K Okarake. So I'm I'm rolling with that. Uh, okay. But anyway. Okay. Okaraki. Rock, rock and not reek. Um, yeah, it. rock, basically, yeah. Remember, remember it that way. But, you know, anyway, he's going to be the guy who's on the field most of the time, as Jalen Smith was, you know, last year more than anybody else. He was on the field. There's times in those running downs you, you're you going to want the second guy out there. Um, you got to think right now that that second guy is going to be Jared Davis. Um, but, you know, somebody like a Beavers uh, could push for that spot. You know, and I never want to discount like somebody like a Mike McFadden coming back just a little bit stronger in his second year. Uh, maybe you know, I don't. It's hard to get faster, but you can get stronger in between seasons. And you know, you're you're now a professional football player who's all his time is spent on, uh, you know, working on his game. So maybe he gets better. Um, but you know, they did not do a lot to address that position in the offseason, That's for sure. Got to get better against the run. That's the bottom line. And uh, you can see how they've you can see how they've really done that right on the defensive line. And then you're going to have to hope that Bobby Okaraki is uh, you know the guy you think you paid for for sure. Um, and in terms of their last draft pick, Javarius Owens, a safety. You know, what we mentioned he'll probably be a special teams guy initially with Pinnock and McCain competing for the one safety spot, um, the rest of it, you know, where does this leave Dane Belton? I, you know, I still think that Dane Belton's probably the number two 
at one of the spots. So it'll be McKinney and then a backup, either Pinnock, Belton, and then I think probably McCain at the other spot to start the year with Pinnock behind him or Belton. So, I mean, that's pretty cut and dried safety right now. Who knows what happens? But Owens looks like a, a special teams guy. I don't, you know, again, don't know much about him. I mean, he was a projected. It's weird here. Fourth round pick, NFL.com, Lance Zierlein projects him as a fourth rounder. Um, and just looking through his uh, his weaknesses, I guess, he dropped a couple interceptions, inconsistent field recognition. So whatever. We'll see. Um, again, seventh round pick. He was a 254th overall pick out of, I think there were 259 this year. So, yeah, you know, generally you're not getting uh, a difference maker at 254 out of 259. Right. No. So, but, but he's, he's got a uniform. He's got a chance. So he'll be in there and see, see what he can do. And at a position that there, you know, again, we're talking about depth where there's not a lot of it for the Giants. So, yeah. And, and perhaps he can be a guy who can, and we, we touch pretty much on all the position battles here in the context of this going into OTAs, but perhaps the, you know, we don't need to obviously get into special teams extensively, but when you're talking about these late round picks, you know, perhaps he is a guy who can help, uh, the Giants uh, uh, in the special teams area. And it just sneakily, like the Giants stunk on special teams last year, 25th in PFF's um, ratings and special teams. They have not been good on special teams uh, lately. I know we all like Thomas McGahee, terrific guy, 30th on special teams in 2021. So they got to get better there. Uh, and, that, I, and that is often a reflection of roster depth, though. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah, I think that that should help. I mean, they're better, they're deeper. Um I think it, I think they should certainly be better in that area, but we'll, you know we'll see. So all right, uh, all right. So well, real quick, we can just discuss this quick. Um, yeah, and I don't know the answer. Hopefully, you do. Who's their punt returner now? Right, that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Right, so Richie James is gone. Um, can Jalen Hyatt do it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he has a lot of experience doing that. Um, I don't need, you know, not putting Wondell Robinson back there. He's hurt. Can Jamison Crowder? Uh, he's doing that again. What's that? He said, I don't think they're ever doing that again. Um, doing what? Putting uh, Dory Jackson back there. Well, not a Dory Jackson. Jameson Crowder has punt return experience, but really not a lot of it since 2017 in Washington. He really didn't do it with the Jets. His last year in Washington, he didn't do it. He had nine of them last year in Buffalo. So, Jalen Hurt, yeah. Hyatt had, had zero punt returns and zero kick returns in his college career. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so 95 career punt returns for, for J- Jamison Crowder. You know, he'll be in the mix. Uh, does Gray have anything in that area? I don't, I don't know. I really haven't. Eric, Eric, Eric Gray is... He had nine punt returns, four kick returns, so not a whole lot of experience. And ball security issues, as we mentioned. And he averaged 5.2 yards on his nine punt returns and 18 yards on his four kick returns. So not a real explosive guy in that regard. So, I don't, you know, they still have Brightwell to return kicks. Yeah. Uh, so obviously punt return matters significantly more in terms of the impact in the game. Uh, you know, just because there's so many touchbacks, but we're not going to go through and grade every pick here. But what we, what we will do, first of all, we, there are, we had draft grades that went up right after the draft. So if you want to go, guys want to go and look and gals, nj.com slash giants, obviously for all our coverage. And then on there are our, our pick by pick grades and then overall 
grades. We did it. I can remind you of yours. Uh, you gave you gave uh, Joe Shane an A for this draft. I gave him an A minus. Uh, and just real quick, I mean, I'll, I'll sum sum it up, and then I'll, then you can we'll put a bow on this. But A minus here for me. Um, you know, he addressed what he needed to do. He was aggressive. Uh, he he addressed these positions. Obviously, when you're trading up like that, and you sacrifice four picks for Waller, Banks, Hyatt. Um, then you're going to not be able to do things like pick an inside linebacker, outside linebacker depth, or really a significant safety. Okay, we'll see it. We'll see that how that works out. Obviously, a ton of pressure on these top three picks to be difference makers when you when you operate like this. Um, um, so we'll see. I mean, I think that the the, the Hyatt picks has got a bunch of pressure on it. They give up a fourth round pick for him. You know, Banks is inherently pre- pressure, and Schmitz do too because of where they were picked. So. Uh, I mean, a minus for me, it's kind of arbitrary, but why, why do you, um, you touched on it earlier, but a for you and uh, what do you like about it? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning here. Uh, I, I think he aced it in the first two days when he, when he got those first three guys in the draft, um, you know, banks, you, you, you addressed your cornerback need. You got a starting cornerback. Now Schmidt, you addressed your interior line. You got a center now that you need it. And Jalen Hyatt, you got a, first or second round, early second round talent, uh, at least by the, you know, everything I've read uh, in the third round, you aced it right there. And then you, you know, I, I think uh, I thought they needed to draft a running back in this, this draft, uh, not because of Saquon Barkley's situation, but just because they needed young, they needed to get a little younger depth at that position uh, in fifth round, fourth or fifth round seemed like the right place to do that. That's where he, where he got it. And the rest of the draft, you know, I think you're taking guys who, um, you know, you hope you can develop. They are developmental guys in the, in the sixth and seventh round. Um, we'll see. We'll see what those guys become. But it just, you know, it, it's almost like it's it's discerning between those sixth and seventh round guys and the guys you bring in as undrafted guys. There's not a major difference at, at that point. Some of those guys probably could have been drafted that were, are, are, are going to be on the undrafted list uh, when, when the Giants put out their official undrafted list. Um, you know, so I, I don't even really look at a grade after, after really the fourth, fourth round, fourth or fifth round. So, um, you know, I, I just think they, they did what they needed to do. The one thing I will say, you know, and I wrote about this the other day too, is so they aced the draft that, you know, some, uh, I think it was, uh, I think Pro Football Focus gave them an A plus for their draft. Um, problem is, the Eagles got an A plus plus. The team you're chasing, uh, plus, plus, wow, they they just got an A plus. But oh. they, they, but in addition to being an A plus, uh, I think Pro Football Focus listed three winners and three losers of the draft, and their first winner was the Eagles for just playing the draft in it in a perfect way. Um, now the the other exercise I did because I'd go down these rabbit holes when I start doing these things was to look at where like NFL com their immediate grades of drafts last year and where those teams ended up you know and the, a lot of people had the Seattle Seahawks of of having one of the worst drafts last year as it turned out they had six rookies play prominent role for a team that shocked everybody and made the playoffs so how much are these things worth the Eagles last year were a very highly graded team. Um, as it turned out, they didn't need Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean uh, to play prominent roles because they had, you know, they, they, they basically allowed those guys to have redshirt NFL seasons. 
uh, and we'll find out about that draft for them this year. Uh, but it wasn't as significant, didn't help them significantly this year. But it just looks like, you know, again, everything on paper, Joe Shane alluded to this, nobody's ever won a game in April. Um, you know, like the Eagles and Giants both had good drafts. So did that allow the Giants to pass the Eagles? I think that's probably doubtful. Uh, but, uh, you know, the one, the other team that the Giants seem to have been chasing forever now is the Cowboys. Um, I can see a scenario where the Giants are better than the Cowboys in, in 2023, especially because I think it's a legitimate concern that that uh, Dak Prescott is going the other way. You know, obviously they released Ezekiel Elliott, you know. So, um, you know, I think the Giants have gotten better, uh, but maybe the team – the team they're ultimately chasing also got better this offseason. For sure. Good points all in terms of the big uh, picture there with the NFC East and um, obviously an aggressive top-heavy draft for the Giants. And that's where they stand. And uh, we will be back. So be sure to like check out our coverage, nj.com slash Giants of Rookie Minicamp this coming weekend uh, of the schedule next Thursday, May 11th. And as I mentioned, we'll be back here in about a week and a half on May the 12th, the Friday, and we will um, discuss – all things schedule. It will just be a schedule thing. We'll just talk about the schedule, hard games, whatever. Uh, we know we know the home and road opponents. Everyone knows that. This is really just the order of the games, which matters. And um, and we'll do game by game picks and all that. Yeah, worthless but fun stuff. So in the meantime, be sure to uh, like, rate, review, subscribe to us on all your uh, favorite podcasting platforms. Check out our stuff on nj.com/giants, and we will be back with you guys here sooner rather than later. Uh, have a great uh, rest of your week and weekend. Take care.